0: Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy.: You know handing the mic to anybody that's been in the pulpit before is they say is a dangerous thing. I used to um, uh, he mentioned Trinidad and the church that we belong to. in Trinidad, we'd start worship um, about eight thirty on Sunday morning. and uh, you know sometime around ten o'clock, <coughs> excuse me. around ten o'clock, somebody come up and take the tithes and offerings, and the pastor would come on about ten thirty and then, you do not know what happened. Sometimes it was twelve thirty. I think one time we got out of there at three o'clock. Um, it's a it's a unique experience to do something cross culturally, and to see um, see God working in 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 other cultures and see Him really touching the hearts of people people that are desiring. That relationship and in all the blessings that God God gives us, and um, I've had the the blessing to to see um, see Christianity in the little country of Malawi in Africa, and in the second poorest country in the world, and how the people. Um, you know, came very poor people. Came, put their, found their best clothes, cleaned, washed, come in, and they would each, from each of the villages, the men's group, the women's group, the kids group would each come up and sing or do something, and it would just, it would go on and on and on. but it was, it was such a beautiful thing to see people who have very little being grateful to God for what they have. And um, sometimes in our culture, I don't think we see that, you know, people want more. Um, Well, tonight, I want to do a little sort of testimony. I didn't want to get into real... um, you know this happened and this happened and this happened but I want to kind of make it a a testimony in in the scriptures of how God has touched my life and how um, he's spoken to me and how he's taken me through all these years and for young people it's um he's just just know that the beauty of of living to be old. Um, To be old is a good thing. Um, Just find it a blessing to be in this church and be in various groups, River City Mission Group and the the men's group on Saturday morning and Life Group and, you know, be at least 25 years older than the next person (laughs) You know, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful feeling, and I I hope that we can tonight see some things that I've seen over the years. Um, One of the things that that I've experienced in my life, our church in Trinidad. Um, appropriately named Shekinah Worship Center, um, has been, well, up until the time we were there, Had was the only church that I could walk in the doors, be the first one, unlock the doors and walk in, and feel the presence of God. And I'm... I'm feeling that in this church. And it's always such a blessing when God beats you to the worship place. He's ready. And um, I don't know, Deb, if you or Cheryl know, do, you ever, do either one of you know um, Sweet, Sweet Spirit? Yeah? That's kind of a favorite song of mine, and it's um, just gonna have to put up with me for a little bit. I've got a little bit of soul going on. (laughs) My emotion is, um, is pretty high tonight. So a warning, you: you may see tears. Well, when God touches you, it's special. You know, people say, dear Lord, please, when they should just be saying, dear Lord, please. You say, where is heaven? It's where God is he's here do you see heaven I hope so I've um I've sung a little bit in the past but I'm not gonna do that. I don't think I can make it through but that song goes just I'll just read it to you there's a sweet sweet spirit in this place and I know that it's the spirit of the Lord There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know they feel the presence of the Lord. And the chorus goes, sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place and i hope that we we are revived i think sweet holy spirit sweet heavenly dove Stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived. When we shall leave this place. You may never hear that again. <laughs> Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you, a prophet to the nations." That's Jeremiah 1:5. And then Psalm 139, it says, "For you form my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them, and if I should count them, there would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. When I am, when I wake, I am still with you. It's like a dream, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you about a dream. This is. Um, It's not something I dreamt in my early life, but it it explained to me, pointed out to me this scripture. Um, It's graphic in my mind. And in this dream, I see this great flowing. It's flowing, but it's not moving. It fills everything I can see As high and as low as I can see and as far and as wide as I can see. And there's these little circles in them all over. And I knew knew in my dream that I was in the presence of God. But this church is one of the things that, see the wood? See how the wood flows? It has a flow to it even though it's not moving. And it's got all those knots. That's kind of the sense of what I saw. Only it was living and active. And I knew it was the mind of God. And I knew that there I was in the mind of God. You know, we have a God that isn't surprised by anything, He knows everything. He's always known it, and he always will know it. And it gave me the sense that I, too, in God, am an eternal being. I'm not an angel. I don't live in the spirit world, but I was in the mind of God and still am. And then at one point, it became my appointed time. And we all have an appointed time. You say, why am I here? God has a reason that you are here. And I came out from the mind of God and stood on what appeared a little platform And there appeared before me Jesus. And all he said to me was, find this, and you'll find your way back home. The Bible has become a passion in my life. Some years ago, someone challenged me. Now, oh, let me get to that later. So it was a good challenge, and it impacted my life, but I'll get to it later. At that moment of my conception, at my appointed time, And then I came, I was born, Green Bay, Wisconsin. My parents were, my mother was, had been raised on a farm. My dad was, well, he was difficult. He had a difficult life. Today, if he was in school, we'd say he was emotionally disturbed. Um. Um struggled, struggled with his relationship with his father, um, left home early and lived with a sister for, for years, went into the army in World War II during, at 17, just struggled. in all his years of working, you know, he'd go from one job to another. And he'd come home at night and he'd be drunk. Or when he was sober, he'd fall asleep on the couch until dinner time and he'd wake up and eat and then go back. Um, he struggled. I love my dad. and we'd, um, Some of the times we had together were really good because he was a man who loved deeply but didn't have the help to get out of what he was in. My mom, very intelligent lady, could have gone on to university, but didn't. Worked in an office and when she got pregnant, she stopped working. But the thing is, is that with my parents, my relatives, there was never an expression of love in our family. I knew they loved me. But There were no hugs and kisses, um, no affirmations. Um, you know, we just kind of were out there surviving on our own. You know, it's just, and where Green Bay at that time was very similar in size to Paducah in McCracken County, so we'd get out in the morning, we'd run <laughs> for miles. And... um But, you know, we always went to church. I was raised Catholic. And through that time, I don't know, I saw something that I wanted to be. I wanted to be a priest. When I was 14 years old, I went away to seminary and spent six years in a Catholic minor seminary. And all the love that I... Everything I sought, I was finding that what I thought I'd find in the church, I didn't find, because the Catholic church is very legalistic. Um, The good fathers would do things that were based on the good of the bishop and and the fathers themselves, and there was... Just something not right there. And when I left, I left kind of bitter. And I lost my way. I had grown up to be 19 years old, and I never had anybody feed into my life in any any way whatsoever. My dad used to like to take me with him on Saturday mornings. We'd sit in the bar, and I'd eat potato chips and drink root beer. And um, we always made it home, though. (laughs) Um, But I remember some good times with my father. But anyway, I I was bitter. I ended up getting married when I was at university, University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. And I spent the next 10 years... Living in the book of Galatians, the fruit of the flesh. And I don't know about you, but if you ever, you know, we always get into fruit of the spirit, all that wonderful thing that we as Christians want to grow in. (coughs) But when I read the fruit of the flesh, I actually could find in my life something in every one of those. And I was lost. And after 10 years, I lost everything. And then I found Jesus. And for the next few years, I continued to lose everything, except Jesus. My family broke up My wife divorced me, my three kids. I could only see now and then. I had to move out of town to find work, to find, to get them insurance and pay child support. It was a long, long walk that I could not have walked without Jesus. And there are certain things since I've come to Jesus that just touch my soul in such a way. Um, Our life group is going to be doing Spirit, Soul, and Body by Andrew Womack this next time around. And the focus on who we are in Christ is such an important thing. It's it's the greatest thing in Christianity next to knowing God. And I want to read you something tonight because you know, Jesus going to the cross, I I, I took that in my mind, in my heart, and and I said he died for me. Um, I understood that. I believed it. I believed he rose from the dead. Even as a Catholic, I, I had learned those things. But now, with a relationship with Jesus, I was beginning to experience the things. And there are things that, that came across my across me over the, over the years that I'm going to have to get some glasses out here because most of, most of the reading I do is in the Bible and I sparingly, well, I've read a lot of books over the last 44 years of my Christianity, but um, um, I tend not to do a lot of, of books by authors other than the Holy Spirit. But this is the one thing that really, in my life, I cried when I first read this, because this man expressed what happened at the cross in terms that just touched my inner being, He not only became flesh in the womb of Mary, he was made to be sin on the cross on which he died. This last phrase is from Paul and perhaps the most startling statement that the Bible makes about the death of Jesus. But we cannot escape its significance. In the previous verses, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul has affirmed that God refused to count our sins against us. In his completely in his completely undeserved love for us, he decided not to make us answerable for our sins. He would not allow it. He would not allow it to be said of us, as it was said of so many in the Old Testament times, that they will be held responsible. So what did he do? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ had no sins of his own. He was made sin with our sins on the cross. As we reflect on the cross, we can begin to understand the terrible implications of these words. At 12 noon, darkness came over the whole land that continued for three hours until Jesus died. With the darkness came silence For no eye could see and no lips could tell the agony of soul that the spotless Lamb of God was now enduring. The accumulated sins from the whole of human history were laid upon him. Voluntarily he bore them in his own body. He made them his own. He took full responsibility for them. And then, in desolate spiritual abandonment, a cry was wrung from his lips My God, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a quotation from the first verse of Psalm 22. He had probably been reflecting upon the agony on its description of the suffering and glory of the Messiah. But why did he, why did he quote that particular verse? Why is it not of more of triumphant verses, verses at the end? Why not you who fear the Lord praise him or dominion belongs to the Lord? Are we driven to conclude that it was a cry of human weakness, despair, or that the Son of God was imagining things? No, these words must be taken at face value. He quoted this verse from the Bible, as he had quoted so many others, because he believed that he himself was fulfilling it. He was bearing our sins. And God whose eyes are too pure to look on evil and who cannot tolerate wrongdoing turned his face away. Our sins, our sins, came between the Father and the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was eternally with the Father, who enjoyed unbroken communion with him throughout his life on earth, was momentarily abandoned. Our sins sent Christ to hell. He tasted the agony of a soul alienated from God, Bearing our sins, he died our death. He ensure, endured instead of us the penalty of separation from God that our sins deserved. Then, at once emerging from the outer darkness, he cried out in triumph, "It is finished!" And finally, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so he died. The work. He had come to do was completed. The salvation he had come to win was accomplished. The sin of the world had been carried away. Reconciliation to God was available to all who would trust this Savior for themselves and receive him as their own. Immediately, as if to demonstrate the truth publicly, The unseen hand of God tore down the curtain in the temple. It was no longer needed. The way into God's holy presence was no longer barred. Christ had opened the gate of heaven to all believers, and 36 hours later, he was raised from the dead to prove that he had not died in vain. The author of that is John W. Stott. The book is called Basic Christianity. Maybe one of the finest books on Christianity ever written. Touch my soul. How can you turn back when God has touched your soul? He died on that cross. My slate was clean. And I began a process of growing. just heard a <clears throat> preacher I like to listen to who said, At the cross, we were declared righteousness. Now, we're working out our righteousness. We are working out our righteousness, and that's what's called sanctification. And why? Why? Did any of us deserve it? Do we deserve God's love? Why did God love us? Because he loved us. Job found out you don't question God. God does what he wants to do. And for all eternity, he has loved us. And he will continue all of eternity to love us and bless us. Romans says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. (coughs) What a beautiful thing, this Jesus on the cross. Um, You know, in Hebrews chapter 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. You know, some people think that we say a simple prayer and that we're saved so if we believe and testify to that belief but so many people don't want to go any farther than that too many Christians at salvation don't want to be imitators of Christ they don't want to see the glory beyond salvation, that glory that, God, that Jesus saw before he went to the cross. He saw the glory, the bringing people to salvation, the people who are back in relationship with God. God, from the fall of man, Adam and Eve, God spent a whole Bible trying to rectify the relationship with man. And the only way it could be done was with the perfect man, God. Only he who was out sin could pay the price. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um, on the Saturday men's group, we had started talking about, we were studying Ephesians, and we got into a little bit, and we got caught up on the word saints, Um, and we talked about that for quite a while, and the next day, Matt Lewis sent us all a little little text talking about these next verses. it just meant a whole lot to him. And, it's, and I thought, I said, Matt, that is like one of the first verses that God gave to me. I had wanted to be a priest. It didn't happen. But when I came to Christ... And I joined that chosen generation. Peter says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, according to the order of Melchizedek. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were not who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are priests, kings and queens. Jesus and all the thrones that we occupy along with him. So, what do we do with this priesthood, with this being a holy status? Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors. Kings and queens... Royal priests, ambassadors, as priests, priests offer sacrifices. Now we know that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross put aside all the sacrifices at the temple and the sacrifice of the mass, if you're raised Catholic. I understand the symbolism. But in Romans 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God how do you renew your mind in the word you're failing one of your offices as priest, if you're not in the Bible, <laughs> you know it's a living sacrifice. Is it, um, it's not always easy, is it? But if you get in the discipline of reading your Bible, it'll stick with you. Back in two thousand eight, I was taking a course in biblical counseling. And wonderful man teaching it. um, Ab Abercrombie, he was from Fairhope, Alabama, had a counseling ministry for years, a secular counseling ministry, and had found that it wasn't working. He and his wife, I think she was a psychologist and he was a uh, doctor of social work and worked in counseling. They found it didn't work. They closed their clinics. And they started biblical counseling. And changed the lives of many people. Tremendous man, even though he was a Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> but in one of the classes he, he said to us, and he does it did it with all his classes, he said, If you are going to be biblical counselors, then you need to read the Bible. And he stopped and somebody said, what do you mean read the Bible? You know, you maybe got a life group studying Ephesians, right? I'm reading the Bible. You know, the pastor preached on Romans, um, and I reread that, so I'm reading the Bible. And anyway, he said, no. He said you start on Genesis 1 1 and you read until you get to the end. The end of Revelation. I took that challenge. And we were living in Green Bay, and I three-bedroom home, and our daughter had her room and We had ours, and we had one of them as an office. And I went in, and I was going to start this challenge. I was going to show them that I could read the Bible from cover to cover. You know, and it was like, I don't know if I can do this. But I sat in my chair, prayed a little bit, and I started, in the beginning, God. took me two weeks to get farther than that can you imagine just God not us not plants not animals not air not planets not stars just God And I was overwhelmed with the thought. But at the end of the two weeks, when I started reading again, there was a passion in my soul for reading. And I read, and I read, and I read. And and I don't mean this to be bragging, but I'm saying this, that passion has not gone away. Since the first I started, I have continued that practice year after year after year. And if I don't pick up that Bible, if I miss a day, I I feel something missing. And I think I've read about 10 different translations they're all a little bit different, each has its own bias, kind of gives you a different look at things. But I became passionate about it. it, it, it I have to read every day. I miss something if I don't read every day. And it's, it's marvelous. I, I, we, I get to certain parts in Scripture and somebody else in the church We'll start talking about that part of Scripture, you know. Um, With um, Leslie Hunt in our our life group, I was just I'm just fin- I had just finished now um, um, Psalms and starting in um, in Proverbs and. Proverbs has just been on Leslie's heart for a while now and, and we've had discussions on it in, in the life group and, and otherwise and, and the meaning of what's there and um, the depth of understanding the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Um, that's not being afraid of God, that's awe and reverence. Awe and reverence. Just a side light. When I was a Catholic, some we had when I, when I was growing up, we used Latin in the in the Mass. And I I studied five years of Latin seminary. But in a lot of the churches, they've had these sayings, and one of them was "hic est terribile and if you. Translated that in our modern language says, This place is terrible. <laughs> so it's one of those little jokes uh, that we Latin students would like to put out there. But it's really, this place is awesome. This place is awesome. This place is awesome. It's a place of reverence. It's a place where the church as a body meets God. You personally can meet God anywhere. He's everywhere. Just talk. He'll listen. Shut up now and then so he can talk to you, though. But what does it all have to do? It's it's what the Bible talks about. It's about God's relationship with man, with his creation, this love relationship that he has continued when we have not. At the base of Sinai, they said, Well, just tell us what to do. We'll do whatever you tell us. And they never did any of it. God was on the mountain and they were here. And they were afraid. It wasn't about awe and reverence and it wasn't about relationship, it was about fear. And what's he going to do to me if I don't? But we are new creations. Romans tells us the holy spirit resides here. That's a whole different ball game. When we walk with the holy you carry the power that created the universe. That power can destroy you, but it loves you. And it keeps you, and it strengthens you, and it teaches you. And the law of the Old Testament, in his love, now became instructions In teachings in the way that a loving father would want us to live. So we call people to Jesus. We pray for people. Spend some time praying for my son today. Just lost his job at 52 years old. Hopefully... To be able to still find one within the company, but every time I try to talk Jesus to him, and he walks away, and I weep that he hasn't found the beauty. Of God's love. You know, when Jesus was asked, What are the great commandments? What's the greatest commandment? He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind, Mark adds, and all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The first year that I... Read the Bible cover to cover. Everything I read pointed to loving the Lord your God with everything that you are. I thought when I started reading that at the beginning of the year, especially after starting out with In the Beginning God, I thought, boy, what's going to be coming is tremendous. And it was. It was "Love the Lord your God, with everything that you are." I read it a second year. What did I read? Everything I read was, "Love your neighbor as yourself." I could have gone to Matthew 22:37 and gotten out right away, right? But when you read it, the way the Holy Spirit wrote it. you know don't think that the gospel only resides in the new testament the gospel starts in genesis god's salvation his love i think that one of the great things that we miss as christians In these two commandments, in other words, as yourself, you think, "Oh, you love God and you love your neighbor. Got that? Okay, let's go. But it's loving your neighbor as yourself. You got to know who you are. Where do you find that out? (laughs) Why? Good. No guessing on that one, huh? We love God. We need to love ourselves. Are we priests and kings? Are we children? Are we co heirs of the kingdom of heaven? I gave these, I got a few available tonight, but I this is a thing was put, in, put together by a man by the name of Neil Anderson who wrote the book, Victory Over Darkness. Um, um, a concept, what he wrote is something that helped Janine and I not lose our marriage Um, tremendous counseling asset, but he, he wrote this about who I am, I am in Christ, and it says, I am accepted, I am secure. I am significant. And then he's got different broken up scriptures in that. I am Christ's friend. I am God's child. I am a saint. I have been adopted as God's child. I'm free from condemnation. I am a citizen of heaven. If you've ever traveled abroad, I got mugged in Trinidad, lost my passport, got my passport stolen. You wouldn't believe what you gotta go through. How important a passport is when you're traveling. But even this is more important. Your passport to heaven. It's a seal of the Holy Spirit. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. It's a tremendous thing. He's got, got one that said, since I am in Christ... Since I am in Christ, by the grace of God, I have been justified. I died with Christ and died to the power of sin's rule over my life. And we got some I've got some copies. I, I don't know how many if it'll get to everybody that wants one, but um sure are welcome to them. I think if you go through and you study these, you know, while you're reading the rest of the Bible. Um if you look for them in the scriptures and read where they come from and take them to heart, you're not going to walk through this life being afraid with your chin down. You're going to walk with your chin up being proud of who you are in Christ Jesus, a holy pride It's knowing who you are. And you walk tall. You know what I learned in the Old Testament? Numbers 10.35. The Israelites in the camp had the Ark of the Covenant. And when they moved or they went to battle, the Ark went ahead of them. And Moses would say, Rise up, O Lord, and scatter your enemies. And make those who hate you flee. Now, I see a lot of Christians going through life. Well, you know, Satan's attacking me. You know, things aren't going my way, and and Satan or his demons—it's just evil. I can. What's that? Yeah, Satan's gonna. You know, he's going to stand a little bit far off and throw lies and deceit. And he's not going to get too close because you got the Holy Spirit in you. If you carry the Holy Spirit, you're the New Testament Ark of the Covenant. There's going to be a lot of changes in our world, a lot of changes. I don't know how many of you watch any news. I find it hard now. I used to be a newsaholic. But I can't watch much of it. I re- but I read the headlines. All the people crossing the Mediterranean and the Aegean Sea from Turkey to get into Greece and into Europe, coming by hundreds boatloads of hundreds of people coming in just packed getting away from all the places our southern border and we have all kinds of politics that talk to that oh we got to stop this we got to do this and then go back and forth and I don't think they believe any of it but they just have to be on opposite sides and look foolish but the world is changing The world population is moving. And we're going to live in a new world. There are Christian prophets that say we're in the end times. But the end times don't mean bad times. They they mean a new and perfect world. And we have, see it coming, this wave of people who are going to need churches like this one to tell them about the love of God. Are we gonna be ready? Are we gonna be ready to have people living all around us who speak different languages and even if you can learn one of those languages and do well in communicating, there's gonna be a lot of people that you're gonna have to learn how to communicate with because the world is changing. But if you hear people of different cultures and different languages worshiping together, what (laughs) powerful. That's an understatement, isn't it? Yeah. The the words fail like, like my vision, not being able to comprehend the length and the width and the depth of what was before my eyes. We have a God that's all-powerful, and he will move things the way he moves them. And you better watch out. Get on board with where he's going. Because we're going to have to be ready to serve his people who are coming from other nations. See, you gave me the microphone, didn't you? (gasps) So please be ready and the best way of being ready is to be in the word. Because at the worst or at the best, maybe you'll have Google translate. My friend Bob Grisham does that. (laughs) He says something in English that sends it on to his friends in Mexico. Lots of good technology these days if you use it right. You know, if you have trouble reading the Bible, get the U version of the Bible and listen to it. If you like watching the Bible, go on YouTube and watch it being read to you. No excuses. There's too many good ways. Too many good ways. And there's people that can barely read and write that can be beyond you. When I was in Guyana, they told a story about a pastor deep in the jungle. Couldn't read or write. His wife and his daughter would take the Bible, and they'd spend the day reading it. And he'd spend the night preaching it. Muslims throughout the world are dreaming a dream. People are beginning to hear in the Muslim world people talking about did you see did you have the dream. They're dreaming Jesus. He's coming to them in a dream and Muslims are coming to Christ. No missionaries except the missionary. There's people all over the world that are finding, they're getting translations, they're smuggling translations of the Bible into their countries and into their homes and having house churches and believing in God. The world is changing. Be prepared. Be prepared by the word of God, the very word of God. It's living and active. It's not a book of dead words. It's living and active. And say to the Holy Spirit, show me your way that I may walk in it. So I'm going to quit there. There's there's some, I'm going to do that. The one more thing is really a prayer. Um, I just have. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.